Where's my snare? I have no snare in my headphones. There you go. You reminded me of, which by the way, spoiler alert, we're talking about the Eminem show a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. There is a song, which we referenced at the top, uh, Cleaning Up My Closet, where there's part of the song I was often confused by. And that happens a lot, where like there's a lyric in a song, either the words don't exactly make sense, or... Especially with Eminem, where they edit things, you yeah, know? Yeah, and if you're too young, and you don't, you're not looking up the lyrics, you're just kind of guessing what they are, and you're like... I'm singing along to it, but I don't really know what that means. There's part of the song where it's it's the final verse and arguably the best verse, uh, where it, where things get personal mm. and M is directing all his frustration at his mom, and he says, uh, "Is that why you made that CD, Ma?" And I was like, as a kid, I was like, "Don't tell me." That Eminem's mom fucking recorded a goddamn. I was like, I thought to myself, that's impossible. That can't be what he means. He can't be speaking literally. He must be talking about like, you know what I thought as a kid was that Eminem's mom fronted money for Eminem to like have one of his albums made. But I was like, well, why would she do that if? It's all gonna be shit-talking her. Like, does she not know the context? Now we know the truth, and now the truth can be told, uh, thanks to Genius. A simple Genius search uh, mm-hmm. told us that old Fuck You Debbie had a diss track to her son recorded by what just sounds to be the most under-the-bottom-of-the-barrel rapping outfit. You got a rapper and a I don't even know if it's like a... I guess you'd call him a singer. He sounds like garbage. Um, <laughs> when he comes in at 151, you gotta play the clip. Set the record straight of what's been going on. You're disrespectful, telling lies when you know you're wrong. You're misleading and deceiving your family. Marshall, you sold your soul for money. Like two guys that have no stake in the matter, so they don't care, you know. So they're just like <laughs> they just hired hands, and they're just like, "Oh, uh, you should feel ashamed because you dissed your mom." I'm like, what the fuck do you think this is? They're fucking hired goons to shame Marshall that and telling him she should fucking talk to his mom more often, <laughs> and how and the importance of family and whatnot. <laughs> The most, like, that really is the most awkwardly misplaced diss. It's it's closer to, like, what J. Cole is doing, you know, where he's more like, hey, I'm not dissing you, I'm just saying, it feels like there are some flaws in your, you know, personality right now that are really, uh, you know, showing. That's how this diss song is, except it's just like, who the fuck are you? I've been hired to tell you to be a better son. What the fuck type of... What What is this right now? You got the rapper, you got the singer, and then you also have uh, Debbie making an appearance, reading a poem she wrote. Here's the question. Would the song have been better or worse if it was just her? No, no, it needed the raps. You're listening to her talking and you're like, all right, she's making her case, whatever. Doesn't really address some of the shit he says. It rings a little hollow, but you're just like, all right, whatever. It's corny, but it's an out-of-touch mom trying to 
do her best, I get. And then you forget about the raps because this is just so like awkward. Because it's like you're you're expecting the raps to come in like at the beginning of this song, but it's not in the first song at all. It's just like you know talking, and so you're just like, all right, whatever. And then the rap song actually starts, and you're like, oh shit, there's another thing. <laughs> And then you get to the one minute and 51 second mark where it turns into a Christian rock song out of nowhere, out of butt fucking nowhere. Is Debbie Mathers <laughs> clout chasing in 2002? Why is Basically. she trying to release this? And what was she expecting? Was she expecting radio play? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Like, there has to be some ulterior motive here. I think there was some really, really naive logic. Like, I really think it was a case of, I know what I'll do. I'll get some rappers, and I'll make a track, and it'll be a big hit. She blew her whole budget on the beat, Uh, and she didn't think about the fact that she still had to have rappers that actually made sense. I just imagine at first, she thought, oh, I'll just do it. And someone was like, (laughs) Debbie, no. You need someone a little more familiar with it. And honestly, it's like, you can tell he's trying, because there's like random speed rapping parts (laughs) for no reason. It doesn't make any sense, and it's the most incohesive every aspect of the song comes in randomly the fucking singing random the the speed rapping random the fucking insults and like criticizing him just kind of comes and goes if debbie enlisted someone from like one of the rappers you would have seen in like eight mile like someone eminem knew growing up a family friend someone who knew them both and could actually still spit some bars then it's like oh damn all these people around me. Yeah, she got big guns. She got ammo. She got proof. She got receipts. These people are watching from the outside and they see how special of a woman she is and how horrible that I've been treating her. I haven't been able to see this for myself, but my close friends, the people in my clique, why haven't they said anything? Why haven't they told me how big of a jerk I've been? The self-reflection would kick in, but... It's just some guy. It's a hired hand who doesn't fucking care and who just wanted a paycheck. Do you think it's the best of all of the Eminem diss songs? We need to do that. We need to have a ranking. Because it's like, is it just me or has Eminem dissed like the worst people to ever diss? Mariah Carey, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Christina Aguilera got a whole section of Real Slim Shady by just jokingly saying, I think he's married to Kim in some MTV special. As you grow up, man, (laughs) it really is just like, what the fuck? What is this? I was at work and on Fridays, and I'm pretty sure wherever you are in the U.S. listening to this right now, your local hit station does the thing where, hey, on Friday, we're going to play whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, we're going to play throwbacks and songs we don't normally play. Real Slim Shady came on. But at work, the people that work there, the ra- the age range is from like, oldest you're going to get is like in their 60s. Youngest person there is 18. The Real Slim Shady comes on. And in that moment, I realized exactly how fucking dated that song is. I looked over because I'm working directly with the 18-year-old this day. And I'm like, this guy has no idea who Tom Green is. <laughs> and thank God. He's this whole <laughs> section of the song. Like Christina Aguilera, man. Which means, well, yeah, people might know who Christina Aguilera still is. But they're not going to understand why he's randomly dissing her or Carson Daly. Yeah, these beefs. Oh, fucking Carson Daly. <laughs> In this age range, nobody in 2019 remembers the song 
lonely Swedish, the bum bum song. My bum is on your lips. My bum, no one's going to know what that means. I remember even as a kid, I was kind of over the Tom Green Look at me being an outlandish dickhole to my parents for no fucking reason. It was just kind of like, what? what? Why is he doing? What's going on? Okay, whatever. And so, like, whenever, you know, uh, Eminem brought up, like, Tom Green and shit like that, it was just like, why are you bringing up this guy, this fucking fly-by-night, like, dude who's, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? And they, like, legitimately, I don't believe they had any beef at all. Like, I think he was just referencing it because it was, like, a well-known thing at the time. But that really dates it like crazy. <laughs> that might be his most dated song, and it's his most like popular. If you make a reference to something but make it relevant to what's going on in the song, you can make it so that like, well, even if you don't know the reference, you still get what's happening relative to what the song is about. But that reference is so directly tied to Tom Green and knowing about that and giving a shit about this thing that's really not worth giving. I'm sorry. I know people are like talking about the the um. What's the movie? Freddy Got Fingered. Yeah, maybe that has some redeeming value. I haven't seen it uh, or, or haven't seen it in a while. But like, I don't know. For me, it was always just kind of like, all right, when is this going to be over? Like, it was one of those things like, you know, the early, you know, when you're uh, early in a kid uh, uh, first learning to be all jaded and shit and being like, oh, look at the vapid pop culture. You know, they're they're making this guy famous. You know, like, who's this guy? Oh, oh I sucked on a cow's tit. Oh, oh that I'm fu so fucking subversive. But, you know, this was the shit before YouTube. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got two patreon requested albums this week and i'm just gonna go ahead and say looking at the upcoming releases the days of the two patreon requested album reviews per <laughs> show might be coming to an end because real shit is starting to get dropped so <laughs> we might have to scale back to the one this year was a little slow to get started but it's picking up speed but the first album we got is another one of those a little off kilter uh, not exactly. Mm, another one of those other ones. Not one of our usual fare. A bit more out there than usual, but it is one of your uh, Patreon requests. You're getting the fucking Eminem show, mm. and I'm getting My Father Will Guide Me Up a Rope to the Sky by Swans. Thank you, thousands of retirees, for your request. I feel like it was an odd introduction for me, but to go a little bit inside it's better than having listened to the album that you originally told me we were going to be listening to which was over two hours long i didn't hate this album but two fucking hours of this would have been a bit much i want to hear what you got to say about this first <laughs> of course you do i saw this fucking, i saw what was the name of one of those albums goddamn i'm trying to find it right now public castration is a good idea whoa holy like, shit I, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> these album titles like cop slash young god they're like they're all like really oddly provocative but then i'm listening to and, and of course you know listening to the beginning of the album uh, no words no thoughts the first like two and a half minutes is very ominous because you know you see public castration is a good idea as one of the albums and then you start listening to this album and you're not really sure where the music is going and you're like oh man you're just getting that pit you're just getting that feeling in the pit of your stomach like oh i don't want to do this i don't want to listen to one of these type of albums i don't want it to be like this I don't want no fucking G.G. Allen shit. He's fucking flinging shit at the fucking microphone and shit. You're on the old roller coaster and you're going up. 
And you're like, I am so afraid of where this is going to fucking drop me off. And you're like, no, 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 this is a mistake. I want to get off. You're um, feeling the rickety. It's an old wooden roller coaster. And you're like, oh, this is it. And you're thinking to yourself, is it worth it to jump out of the seat? <laughs> what are my chances of survival compared to riding the rest of this roller coaster? Exactly. I thought for an introduction, uh, no words, no thoughts, opens with church bells being loudly interrupted by what sounds like a war march that is fairly repetitive. Low-tuned guitars joining in, kind of adding to the uneasiness. Of the track. Ominous yeah. definitely is the right word. It's doom and gloom. It's very foreboding. And it's very minimal, lyrics-wise. Yeah, yeah, there'll be long stretches between verses most of the time. And you got this minimal chorus that repeats for a couple minutes. And then just, like, drums and creepy strings just kind of drown out the singing. And it's super intense at times. Like, it kind of comes and goes. But... I don't know if this was intentional or not, but like how the beginning of the song kind of sounds like a war march. I thought the drums kind of sounded like firing guns. Like it just kind of felt like like a war zone or like you were on a battleground. The music is way more intense than the lyrics because the lyrics are just describing a man who has no ego or soul and he's just like an empty person the lyrics just felt and i don't know there were some times where they were definitely really strong but there were other times where it did feel like oh that's what all of that was building up to you know what i mean and and i gotta say the intro track was the song i gave the highest rating to the other ones for the most part very middle of the road uh for me because most of the songs are kind of hit or miss either the music's really good and the lyrics are kind of eh or the lyrics are better and the music's kind of eh. Yeah, for example, like Jim. Like, I wanted to like Jim because I remember the music on that one being really good. But it was just like, I kept listening like, and, you know, I don't want to say I care more about lyrics than music. But it's just like when you're just going like, Jim, 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 oh, Jim, Jim. It's just like, all right, man, can you say something else? <laughs> I guess this is just like the kind of songs this dude writes, but... This is supposed to be, like, a tribute to, like, a musician friend of the songwriters, but you wouldn't fucking get that from reading over the lyrics, because it really doesn't make a whole lot you of sense. You write a song about a member of the band, and it's not a romantic song. I'm guessing there's, like, a, a sort of friendship thing going on or whatever, but it's like, Jim, Jim, it's time to begin. Ride your mechanical beast to heaven. Ride your beautiful bitch to the ultimate sin. And it's at this point where I remember thinking, like, wait... I was like, he's made a couple of references to like religion. Is this, is this a, is this a Christian rock album? And I was like, holy shit! But I actually really like it though. Like, it's not your radio Christian rock where it's like, you know, we praise him for no reason. We uh. just love because you know. We Some of the lyrics on here actually felt like it was someone who was going through pain. Someone who had actually was telling a story of their going through their redemption. And then when I actually ended up looking it up, you know, I found out uh, he had uh, kicked his alcohol habit. Mm. And this was part of his, you know, redemption, like him wanting to be a Christian, things like that. But, you know, I, I like how there's, like, cursing and stuff like that on it, where it's just like, you know, I mean, and I, <laughs> I hate to put the cliche of, like, you know, this isn't your dad's Christian rock album, <laughs> but, 
you know, it, it's fucking real. You know, it feels like someone who is a musician who happens to be writing about God instead of a Christian musician who has to write songs that are going to play on the Christian radio station. So he has to, you know what I mean? Like, we can all hear that, you know? There's way more intent and purpose behind this. Like, like there's actual meaning. And whether or not I get it, you know, that, that I guess that's kind of besides the point. Because if it's abstract and I don't quite get it, you know, the, the, mm. the, it's art Christian rock. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's artistic. And I'm not going to take off points for not knowing exactly what the <clears> fuck <throat> he means. But I will say that it did kind of make it a little hard. It's a to little look. alienating. <laughs> it's alienating and it did make it a little hard to appreciate when you don't mm. really know what the fuck's going on. Like, perfect example. Uh, you fucking people make me sick. <laughs> yeah. The fucking first minute and a half didgeridoo solo. Mm. And, and, and like just to give you an idea of how fucking left and right field this fucking owl goes and then like a child starts singing back his phrases to him but the child is obviously out of key and so with the the ominous sounding music and the kid singing like awkwardly out of tune it sounds even more scary you know your brain has the cognitive dissonance of here's a cute kid singing along but this sounds bad, and so I'm 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 kind of on the thing of like, ooh, but this kid sucks. But then it's like, but wait a minute, with the with the music, I think they're doing that on purpose. I'm gonna guess so because it's the lead singer's three year old daughter. Like, if you wanted to get a kid that sounded good, you would have went out and got a kid that sounded good. You wouldn't yeah, just yeah, ask yeah. your daughter randomly. Look at this, we got a link between the two albums. Uh, you know, putting your daughter on the track. <laughs> Wow. We always find something. First he's singing by himself, then the kid's responding. All of a sudden, it just, everything cuts off, and you just hear what sounds like someone, like, sliding an axe over the fucking, uh, uh, the inside of a piano or some shit. It, it's like Father John Misty, man. Like, I want to give it its props for being, like, so, like, grand and, and, and ambitious and stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, but am I going to listen to this again, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to revisit this album i don't think ever but in the moment i thought it was okay i appreciated the song eden prison as it actually kind of had a point that i was able to understand yeah that one was good it's like okay i was in an israeli prison as a child here i'm describing kind of i'm not really giving you too much in the way of details but i'm kind of letting you paint the picture i'm painting you the scene if it wasn't so long and repetitive, um, it almost sounds like it could have been more of a radio single, if that sounds weird to say. But it's the most traditional, I guess, or contemporary. It sounds like The Doors meets Bob Dylan in his Christian rock phase. Oh, wow. You hear what I'm trying to say there? You know, it's got the organ, you know, th there's a lot of that going on. Mm. There's a lot of play in there with that. It's sort of like that Christian rock during the hippie phase where it's like, it feels like they're actually talking about an experience they're having as opposed to, you know, we just need to make generic music for the fucking radio. You know what I mean? A coincidental transition is that the final song was more of a folky track as you were talking about bob dylan oh yeah and i thought it's like the song over the ending credits energy i think the music stops at the end and he just like it's just his voice yeah. at the end he finishes the song a cappella, and it's just very cold 
and just very alone feeling. His voice really cut through at the end. Like, it was one of those things where you hear it and it's like, I know his voice doesn't sound great, but it's like, that is the aesthetic of, you know, the the idea of bearing his soul, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, because I wrote down on one track that he almost kind of sounds like older Lou Reed, which... Isn't a great voice, but <laughs> it's good for what it's doing. I remember hearing a uh, uh, plastic, plastic beach when the Lou Reed song comes on and being like, "Oh, hey, this guy's a legend." You know, I gotta listen to this song, gotta respect him. And I remember just listening to the voice and just being like, <laughs> "I'm kind of nature it's like what is what is he doing i remember like and didn't they do like some sort of like effect on his voice at the end of the verses it's almost like they were trying to add something interesting darren what would you give uh this album by uh by swans uh three and a half i, think I got a fair. three and a half as well and with that we're gonna go over to the aforementioned Eminem show requested by Ryan Holter. Da, 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 Guess da, who's da, back? Da, 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 back da, da, again. Da, da, da. I'm gonna preface this by saying that I think <laughs> that out of the whatever you want to call it, I saw someone describe it kind of as a trilogy: Marshall Mathers LP, Slim Shady LP, and the Eminem show. This is probably my least favorite of the three. Why so? Why so? If you if you could uh, if you could quantify, it's a very mixed bag. Some songs I really like and they really stand uh, stand the test of time. Others, specifically, almost the whole second half is really weak compared to the first half. And mm. only a handful of the songs have memorable beats. I think the beats and the production on some of these tracks is really like. No, I, I disagree. I, I think these are probably his most mature-sounding beats. I, I think some of them are just, like, like a beginner. Like, some of them, yeah, some of them are great. But there are others, like the deeper cuts that people really don't remember as well. Like, Say What You Say. Okay, okay, I will say, the beat on that one is very sparse. That beat, to me, felt like the downfall of Dr. Dre's production abilities. You got this iconic duo to the point where they are painted up as Batman and Robin. I iconic. Iconic. Remember the fucking song he did with uh, the 30s, the new 20 with Ice Cube, where it's just like that simple ass piano and just the drum. And you're just like, uh, that's it. Fucking legendary Dr. Dre. That's that's you're fucking he's been telling us this whole time that he's got this incredible arsenal of fucking beats you know, ready to go, and it's just like, this is the beat you got? You know, and I remember kind of having that, that feeling here of just like, hmm, this is the Dr. Dre song, and like, it feels like, and this is what I mean, the other production, because whenever I would look at the other production of beats, that was like, oh man, this is dark and really cool, it's got the violin in it, the production is so menacing and haunting, and I'm like, oh, D Dr. Dre didn't produce this one? Oh, dang. Like, this is the point where I was like, I was feeling like uh, Shade 45 and all those other guys, like, uh, and Jeff Bass, like, I feel like he was doing a better job than Dre at this point. They've done the, the minimal production with stuff like Kill You and stuff like that, but I've always felt like it was more energetic and more involved. I think with some of the tracks on this album, not only are they just kind of like minimal or just kind of like whatever, but they're also just kind of forgettable. Like, only a handful of the songs on this album, I think, have memorable beats like that's what i'm saying when, when i'm saying like 
like stand out. So we got White America, which I feel like at one point is way more ambitious than I remember. And at another point is way more tone deaf than I remember. <laughs> okay, look, I, I posted about this on Twitter and I think we're going to have a little discussion about this. That um, okay. this track feels very different than it did when I first heard it in 2002. How did you originally think of it versus today? When I was a kid, I thought, I just had a general, fuck yeah, Eminem saying what we're all thinking, man. Mm. He's fucking sticking it to the screws. You know, like like that. He's, re he's yeah. really sticking it to the old folks. He's, he's showing those upper crust guys what's what. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's fucking telling these squares to go soak their heads. He's telling them to take a long walk off a short <laughs> pier. Um, and I, I thought Eminem was the fucking shit at this point. And... Regardless of anything I say beyond this, as a first track on the album, it is superb. It, it, it's fucking bold, you know what I mean? I don't think you could do much better than the sound of fighter jets flying overhead and Eminem just yelling, America! It's like, it's one of the most, yeah, kind of like <laughs> moments. That's the fucking intro for you. Dude, I, I saw his, his concert. Where he uh, uh, started with this song, I think. <laughs> it was just like, all right, yep. <laughs> to see the concert going and to see all of those white people shouting, White America! <laughs> white people never acknowledge that whiteness is a thing. And so it's just really funny to have a bunch of white people that are like, White America! <laughs> Beyond the, it's Eminem and he's angry for some reason. Okay. Let's let's boil it down. What is he at the very root of the issue? What is he mad about? Eminem is pissed that a congresswoman said that music like his and the messages that he has in his music uh, shouldn't be awarded or celebrated. Yeah, it's the iced tea thing, right? It's the we should be able to say what we want. So you guys trying to shut us down, you know, we're we're the free speech warriors, you know, the, the, this this culture war from the '90s, you know, that whole thing. Now, now I will say this controversy actually, ironically, ended up making him uh, a more politically savvy artist as time kind of went on. But at the time, it was just kind of like. I mean, people don't like you because you're saying things about women and homosexuals like it's... See, that's the thing. You know? <laughs> what song of Eminem's to this point can you compare to that's the thing, Fuck the yeah. Police? A song that has such... <laughs> it's direct. It is about something. And it's something that culture and society is actually going to get really mad about. Up until this point, Eminem has been nothing but a fucking, like, shock rapper with, you know, he's... He's better lyrically than most, but at the end of the day, most of his stuff is just kind of try-hard, edgelord stuff, and don't even get us started on Encore, because it only gets worse. <laughs> but at this point, at this snapshot, this is kind of on that, it's on the middle of the teeter-totter. It's about to go one way, but you're still getting a good bit of that lyrical stuff from yeah, the older yeah. albums. But what you had said is exactly it. It's basically a freedom of speech rant. With today's eyes and ears... Hearing a white guy talk about, I should be able to say whatever the fuck I want. You can. I remember, you know, him bringing up certain points like, 
oh, you guys don't think hip hop's a problem when it's just a black people thing. But when it becomes, but when I'm talking to white people, now there's an issue. And I remember him bringing that up and, be, and you know, my mom being like, oh yeah, that's really funny. Cause it was like, you know, Richard Pryor and people like that would talk about like issues like that. And so I remember being like, oh wow, you know, he's, there's a little bit of commentary, but it's punching without really considering which is up and down. This Republican Congresswoman was very likely mad that Eminem was setting a bad example for white kids. They already expect less from black artists, but they expect more from a white artist. They expect you to be better than them. So when a white artist is bringing himself down to the level of a black rapper, now it's a problem because now he's speaking to a audience that I'll attest. When I was growing up in Jersey, the, these kids in my classes, they were not listening to rap music until my mm. name is. That I was remember. the fucking flick of the switch. And all yeah. them white kids, all them white kids wearing the fucking baggy jeans after that. They were fucking listening to Eminem. They were listening to Rough Riders. It was the gateway drug to everything else that was out at the time. Eminem was the, hey, white kids, this shit's okay for you, too. And open the door. You can listen to rap and not be considered the corny white guy who's trying to be black. Exactly. I think what the tone deaf issue that you had said before is that there's a line in particular that Eminem says, he admits this, that he would have only sold half as many albums yeah! <laughs> if he were black. <laughs> Let's do the math. If I was black, I would have sold half. I ain't have to graduate from Lincoln High School to know that. <laughs> and he doesn't really go into exactly how shitty that is for black artists. The bigger argument is you guys are just mad. Like you older white people are angry that I'm speaking to your young white kids about shit that you wish that they weren't thinking about. Basically, the problem is I speak to suburban kids who otherwise would have never knew these words exist, whose moms probably would have never gave two squirts of piss till I created so much motherfucking turbulence. And kids flipped when they knew I was produced by Dre. That's all it took. And they were instantly hooked right in. And they connected with me, too, because I looked like them. And, and so he says, that's why they put my lyrics up under this microscope. It's the wink to his kid fans because he knows that the, the adults aren't listening. He's saying, like, kids, like, you know why this is happening, right? Like, literally, the reason why this is happening is because I'm white. And they know that the only reason that you're listening to this rap music that's more dangerous now and is going to get you to question, you know, um, um, uh, this, that, and the third is because I'm a white guy as opposed to the black guy who they were more likely to be sure uh, their kids weren't going to relate to. Now that there's this white guy saying all these curse words and doing all these sorts of things, oh, shit, now I can be, I can be like that guy, too, because he doesn't look like he's faking it. He looks like he's the real deal. He's not only acting like he's the real deal, but he's fucking hosting TRL. And his lyrics are actually saying things that relate to the experiences of poor white kids, right? Wanting to, you know, beat up your uh, stepdad, you know what I mean? Thinking that your mom is, is evil and, you know, trying to keep you from having a good time, you know? The subtle sexism and not-so-subtle sexism that sort of sneaks into the white guy just trying to say his experience. I, even as a kid at the time, I remember always having this feeling of, like, what are you why are you fucking with gay people for like what did they you know what i mean like what what is your beef i think the line that spells it out the most it, it comes later on have you ever been discriminated against i have that's it where it's like 
hey, I know the pain. And it's like... The straight white guy just said, have you ever been discriminated against? I have. Yeah, for my... I've been discriminated against just because I said discriminatory lyrics about women and homosexuals. (laughs) And it's like... We'll get to that song eventually, but that song is so fucking jumbled in hindsight. But we need to fucking get to the unsung, in my opinion, the harmfully, dangerously, criminally underrated business Mm. has one of the catchiest choruses in rap at this time, I would have to say. Definitely. And how this wasn't uh, like a single is beyond me. Business is such a good song. Doesn't it feel like this was originally supposed to be the lead single and yes. then they did Without Me? Out of My Name Is Real Slim Shady and Without Me. Without Me is my favorite of the leading album Eminem singles of those three. Mine too, mine too. But with that said, it does kind of feel like it's the poppier song that was thrown on to be the lead single that probably wasn't originally. And what it could have been, and this might just be because they're two of my favorite songs off the album, it could either have been Business or uh, Till I Collapse. Yeah, I feel like they were probably going to ride, they were thinking of riding off of the, um, you know, uh, uh, the Eminem 8 Mile sort of a lose yourself vibe of like, the motivational rap tracks that kind of become his uh, forte these days. It might feel a little redundant to have Till I Collapse only a few songs after Sing for the Moment, but they're both yeah. really strong fucking tracks. And uh-huh. Till I Collapse is the fucking, you go to the gym with that song. Yeah. On that one, you got the fucking Nate Dog chorus. On, on the other one, you got the... Aerosmith sample chorus, which I would be fine with if it didn't have the sing. Come oh, on! Come on! I love that. <laughs> I wish he would shut the fuck up. I hate sing that. It. Sing it! I cringe sing every. Shit. I cringe when Eminem is screaming over that shit. <laughs> That's the one thing of the song I don't like. Other than that, I think it's a great song. The last verse. I'll go to bat for saying that's probably one of the best. Rap verses of all time. Mm, wow. Like, when he breaks it down, I remember even as a kid, like, that fucking striking me. When he said the fucking, um, that's why we sing to these kids who don't have a thing except for a dream in a fucking rap magazine who post pinup pictures on their walls all day long, idolize their favorite rappers and know all their songs. That... Oh, that line right there was just like, oh, oh. And then and then it just keeps going. Like, or for anyone who's ever been through shit in their lives. So they sit and they cry at night, wishing they died till they throw on a rap record and they sit and they vibe. We're nothing to you, but we're the fucking shit in their eyes. It's just like, oh, God. Di-. Like, he under, like, it's like he knows what it means to, like, love music. You know what I mean? Like, that was the the verse of someone who loves music, you know? And, and you can feel it. I feel like there's a lot of third verse knockouts on this album this song fucking my dad's gone crazy i was a little iffy about the song for the first couple of verses but then when it gets to that we'll get to that in a second let's get (laughs) (laughs) my dad's gone crazy and cleaning out my closet are both kind of hit or miss at first in my opinion but it's the third verse when it gets fucking real especially in cleaning out my closet because at first 
he's trying to do this weird, like he's focused on two on too many things. But the third verse is when he fucking is talking. Hey, hey, Ma, I'm talking to you specifically. Yeah, and I'm gonna fucking bring up when you to- when you when Ronnie died and you said you wished it was me. Jesus. Oh. Ooh. Okay, when uh, she apologizes in the song, uh, in that little song, right? And she goes like, you know, um, I, I remember when I said uh, when I said that, and you know, I'm not gonna say it was right, but we need to get past this and that. It's like, bitch, can you at least say I'm sorry? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> we ain't getting past shit until you apologize. <laughs> like, he's brought forth some pretty heavy goddamn claims. You gotta at least apologize or explain something. Because he says shit like going through public housing systems, victim of fucking Munchausen syndrome. Which is odd transition from cleaning out my closet to square dance. Square dance is such an awkward... It's another awkward song where it feels like he's packing in slightly too much, right? I remember it being like, this was a diss to cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was like, can a bitch don't want no beef with Slim? No. So it's yeah. like, he's making that a big deal. I'm thinking this is going to be a diss song. By the time it gets to the third verse, it's so deeply political with what it's saying. The point of the message is so fucking deep and intense when he's talking about, like, the way we treat, you know, basically children's lives when they turn fucking 18. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, this tragedy happens, and now your life is more expendable than mine, and I'm fucking 10 years older than you. Like, I have less reason to not be drafted for war, and yet you're you're going to get taken before me. It's like, that's a pretty fucking strong message for, you know, kids to hear at a young age. Like, this is what I think politicians are really mad at, right? You know what I mean? When it comes to subversive music, music that tells kids, hey, wait a minute. You know, think twice about maybe just joining up in, in the army when you turn 18. Because here's this song saying that, wait, hey, you know, look look how fucked up this is. Think about this for a second. And and that's what I like, you know, shit like that that really challenges shit. But then I remember, you know, this is a fucking incredible third verse really challenging the system. What the fuck was that first verse about cannabis all about? Because he made a really big deal about that, and now it just feels like, what the fuck was that there for? And then you get the chorus, which is talking about, square dance with me, like, this isn't cool, what the fuck is this? That fucking chorus is straight garbage. I hate that chorus. (laughs) Is this the song, or is it another one, where he just ends with, like, plays on the word cannabis? Cannabis don't want no parts of me. Cannabis wants no parts of me. And it's like, what? Why are you calling him Cannabis? Actually, the funny thing is, I really think it was Eminem that introduced me to Cannabis because I was like, why the fuck is he dissing this guy? Oh, it's the fucking Streisand effect. You wouldn't even know about Cannabis if he didn't fucking bring so much attention to him. You were roasting Bush and the war in Iraq, and you were bringing up some really fucking excellent points. Why are you still fixated on this rapper that no one cares about? And he did yeah. the same thing with ICP. No one was giving ICP yeah. attention until he fucking wrote a song about him. And then people were uh, like, oh, who are you talking about? Who's over here? Now, here's a weird part of the album where... Okay, yeah, let's talk about this. Because I feel like this is... As I listen to this album again, and we're going to get into... Uh, a bit of the, uh, the the tinges of misogyny that uh, that peppers Eminem's discography here. Yeah. I feel like the issue with these next couple of tracks is an issue of sequencing. Yes, absolutely. It makes no sense. Yes, if you would have put drips first, right? Ah, yeah, And then okay. you have like, okay, 
you know, first you have Obi telling you about like, oh yeah, I, you know, I got the sweet piece of ass last night. Then in Eminem's verse, you're like, oh shit, that was Eminem's wife. And she gave him, you know, she gave him AIDS. Da, da, da. Okay, now the next song would make sense if you're like, he's angry, he's jealous, he's gonna go, you know, exact his revenge or whatever. And then he goes like, she's she's kissing this other guy. Oh, now I'm angry, and you know that sort of shit. But like the way it's arranged, it's just like, you know, you hear, you know, the, the beats in the back, lights, action, cares, flashing, and he's just like, I'm gonna kill this bitch. I'm gonna kill this bitch because I'm gonna fucking kill this bitch. And you're just like, Eminem, what? What's going on? Here's my issue with the album. The album try is going for a more serious track than his previous stuff, right? So the stuff where he did before, like just the two of us and and Kim and stuff where where you can tell it's supposed to be over the top, it's still relating to relationship issues and shit, but it's so like ridiculous that you can tell that it's not supposed to be serious. But the issue is, this is actually a reference to something he actually did. And so, like, oh, this is about a court case. This is about something. And then you're like, oh, yeah, Eminem was in the wrong for this. Like, and then you, you look at the skit, doesn't even give him any sort of, like, verification. It's just like, you just rolled up at a parking lot with a bunch of strangers and just started shooting. Like, in a typical Eminem song where he's the joke character, that would have been funny. But when he talks about, you know, running, ducking out the Hot Rocks parking lot, your log is shot. And it's just like, well, I can't really laugh because the song like right before and right after are all, you know, serious emotions about how you're really angry and how you're about to fuck people up and how you're getting arrested and how you need to leave Hollywood because, oh, things are just so bad. I was like, well, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if you didn't shoot up a fucking strip club, man. Like, <laughs> you know? This album reminded me a bit of when we reviewed that Pac album. Pac made it sound like his uh, rape allegation was like the biggest fucking thing going. Because it's the biggest fucking thing in his life at the moment. And on here, it makes this court case with, with, the, with the gun charge seem like the biggest fucking thing. But in 2019 years, it's just kind of like, man, he's harping on this a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the time it makes sense, but now it's like, how many songs are gonna fucking bring this shit up? And the thing is, he doesn't really sound like he's that much in the right. You know? No, yeah, if there was a track where, like, he realized, the only track that does that is Paul. Yeah, where it's where, like... Where Paul calls him up, and he doesn't chastise him about the lyrical content. He just says, hey, M, leave the fucking gun at home. But it's Paul, so the listener, I guess, isn't supposed to agree with Paul? Because this whole time we were like, yeah, shut up, Paul. You don't know shit. You're trying to censor Eminem. You're trying to tell him to leave his gun at home. You don't know shit about Eminem's life. It's like, no, no, no. He's he's telling him the truth. <laughs> he should leave the fucking gun at home. The middle part of the album feels like a mini movie that's telling us about this guy's life spinning out of control who's obviously, obviously in the wrong. But the thing is, it's Eminem telling you the straight scoop from himself and basically just going like, oh, man, I should have never fucked with that hoe. And, you know, seemingly never having a point of, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe that was a stupid thing for me to do. That would be helpful and would make this whole fucking middle of the album make sense and feel like it belongs. I thought Drips, uh, I thought it was all right. I, I think Drips is a really good track because of how it makes you understand how at least Eminem wants you to understand how this character feels, right? How it deals with AIDS not in as much of an edgy way as you'd think Eminem would in 2002. Eminem doesn't actually have AIDS, or, or at least 
one would assume. So, and that's what I felt like. I remember listening to the song, you know, when I was younger and being sort of like, wait, but he doesn't actually have AIDS or else that would be a big deal, right? And so I remember that being sort of like the signifier of like, oh, you're not supposed to take everything seriously. He's not actually, you know, doing everything that he's saying, right? I remember being like, okay, so I can work with the narrative of what this is supposed to be. Guy gets cheated on uh, uh, with his wife and, you know, he goes on a fucking rampage because of his insecurities and, you know, just having to deal with fame and da-da-da. But the issue is, like, the song that starts off this whole part of the album is just him being angry and being like, I'm gonna kill this bitch, I'm gonna kill this bitch. And it's just like, what, why? What, what, what brought us to this conclusion? And you're obviously a madman because you sounded like you were about to shoot your fucking friend. So I'm not on your side, but you still want me to be on your side? No. But then you get drips, which I feel like if they would have put that earlier and then you have the skit where he's like, oh my God, I'm fucking filled with rage. That would have at least made sense. We kind of get a double shot of Obi here, which is odd. The, again, sequencing. We get a song with Obi Trice in it. He has a whole section of the song. And then he introduces the next track without me. <laughs> and he's like, my name, no gimmicks. And then, well, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that was really strange. <laughs> I think that was just like him. Because I remember the rap name Obi Tri song came out like literally at this exact same time. Uh, so I, okay. I always read it as sort of like a, I know this song's going to be a big hit. And, you know, I'm so lenient. I'm going to I'm going to throw, you know, a bone to my friend real quick who's coming mm. out with his own album so that like on my big hit, you have to hear his name. You know, I always thought that was like a cool sort of thing, because, you know, when his album did come out, it wasn't <clears> Obi <throat> tries it. Look, no one's fighting for Obi Trice, all right? <laughs> the intro, I think, is sillier than the, than it needs to be for the song. <laughs> I feel like it's there because to make up for the fact that Eminem is totally making a way more serious album now. So he's like, ha ha ha, ooh, jokey Eminem, hey, hey, here I come. Uh, ooh, guess who's back? <laughs> all right, but let's talk about the government and how we, you know, we need to stop sending kids to war. And <laughs> hey, rap fans in 2002, remember Buffalo Girls? I'm gonna I'm gonna parody that. Oh yeah, that was so that always felt unnecessary. Two right. trailer park girls go around the other. Remember? <laughs> what was that? I don't even know. What that, was that from Coyote Ugly or something? <laughs> All I know is the song Buffalo Girls, but that's like what '85. Like, why is Eminem? Why is he sampling this shit? Why is he parodying why is that there? this? Without me is uh, I think it's my favorite song on the album. Honestly, it it might be tied with Till I Collapse, but I think those two are my highest uh, rated tracks. Then Sing for the Moment, I also gave a oh, four. Yeah, yeah. I think that song is great. I think we might be torn on Superman. Ooh. Because yeah. I really don't like that song. Uh, <laughs> I remember being a kid and, and being like, you know, you're not supposed to listen to this song. You know, this is the song you're not supposed to listen to. Because I used to listen to this album with my sister, which is oh. so awkward now that I think back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I can't so imagine that. bad lyrics. <laughs> like, so many horrible lyrics to be listening to next to, like, a girl as he's saying, I'm going to kill bitches. And <laughs> it's just like. You just uh, look over, smile. <laughs> exactly. Just like, I mean, look, if you're not saying anything, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, like, this was a song that was like, ooh, this is the Taboo track, so I definitely want to listen to this one. And I remember listening to it and just being like, it's so fucking bitter. 
even if you're going through, you know, you're going through your man, you know, I, I just broke up with my girlfriend and you need your Kims, you need your whatever the fuck. But, you know, that song was over the top on purpose with what it was doing. This was like a more insidious, just darker, like, this was the side of Eminem that was just like, you're just a fucking being mean and hateful. And it's not funny or clever. It's just like, you just have problems with women and you just really need to work that shit out. <laughs> like, like it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, where an artist's emotionality over something seems to supersede his ability to tell if the, what he's making is actually good. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And then we go from that song to... Now let me tell you about my daughter. Matter of fact, let me sing. Let me sing a song. Let me get vulnerable the about my daughter. The goddamn genesis of the, I'm going to admit I can't sing, but fuck it, I'm going to sing anyway. <laughs> fuck <laughs> this song. <laughs> Throw it in the bin. This is worse singing than on the later albums. Where M, I guess, maybe learn from his mistakes, but dude. No, I feel like this is honestly the best singing he's done. I feel like this is the best. Everything after this, because he strains on his voice after this. He's trying to actually sound good at this point. He's failing at it, but he's trying. The other ones, he's just like, oh, this is just my voice now. And it's just like, Ugh. It's unfortunate because the rap verse on the song isn't bad, but... I'm not sitting through the singing parts again to get to it. It's not worth it. He has the fucking nerve to have this one lyric where he says, uh, um, uh, now look, I love my daughter more than life in itself, but I got a wife that's determined to make my life live in hell, but I handle it well, given the circumstances I've dealt. Do you? What was that part about hating all women, saying that they're all liars and stalking them and fucking <laughs> showing up to the Hot Rocks parking lot and saying you'll all get shot whether it's your fault or not? Did you handle it well? When he says, but I'm handling it well, is where you need fucking bizarre in the background to just be like, ha ha! <laughs> Someone needs to laugh at that! Back to back, I didn't care for those. Um... I didn't really care for uh, when the music stops either, talking about Bizarre. Who do you think had the best verse? Uh, Eminem. No, no, I don't agree. I think... Proof? Uh, yes, I think it's tied between Proof and... Um, Con Artist had a dope-ass verse when he was talking about, like, I was happy having to deal at first, thought money would make, it ha make me happy, but it only made my pain worse. And he gets into the imagery of all the shit that he's going through, and you actually hear the car crash when he goes like, um, that's the end. No calls, no friends, no girls. Just the gin you drink till your car spin. You think, damn, when you slam against the wall and it has like the car crash. And it's like when you fall out the car trying to crawl with one arm, I'm about to lose it all. If my funeral's tomorrow, wondered if they even call. That verse fucking was dope as shit. Proof I always feel like is like the sort of like, I've always felt like he's kind of the best out of the group. Like Eminem is dope, of course, but like Proof is like, Listen to his flow, though. Listen to his voice, though. Like, he's got the best voice out of everybody, you know? With the fucking proof, nigga, I'm a wolf. Get your whole roof. You can't tell me that shit wasn't fucking cool as shit. It might be kind of like what you're saying, like, very understated, because it's a really short verse. And then it's bookended by fucking Bizarre. Yay! <laughs> Eminem without any of the thing that makes him enjoyable. Firing on all cylinders with the bizarreness of bizarre. 
He's got God the fucking it, bizarre. not barely fucking rapping, fucking <laughs> sub masticilla flow where he's just like, I wouldn't have thought twice of it if they would have said he didn't even record this over the fucking beat. Like he, he's just music has changed my life in so many ways. Brains confused. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. <laughs> bizarre thinks he is so fucking. Funny. Did he have a joke in his verse? What did he say? I don't even remember. My brain's confused with fuck since the fifth grade. LL told me to rock them bells. NWA said fuck the police. Now I'm in jail. This is like, there wasn't even like a. You didn't. What did you do? No, yeah, exactly. There was did, no. Did you try to rock literal bells? And <laughs> what happened? Like, did you try to have sex with the police? Like, there was <laughs> no explanation. You just said they said fuck the police. And then I just magically ended up in a fucking prison cell. Like, there's no description whatsoever. I, I think my main problem with the song, and I get it, it's a fucking posse cut, you know, it's whatever, everyone's trying to display their shit. It's so disjointed. Like, they're not on the same page, so it's just kind of, eh. like, you really don't know what you're going to get with the next person, so it's just kind of random. We gotta talk about my dad going crazy. Okay, this is another... One of those, the third verse, I feel is fucking bananas. But what's going on before that? I think it just amuses him. That's exactly the vibe I got. It's Eminem having fun with his daughter in the studio. And that's why it's at the end of the album, because who fucking cares? But I think it's like a South Park thing. You know how like South Park records, like you hear episodes where they actually have little kids in the studio. Uh-huh, yeah, for Ike. What? Yeah, like, how'd they get that kid in there? But you know they didn't, like, curse around that kid or anything like that, you know? You can tell it's just like, oh, yeah, they probably just brought her in, made her say some silly things, and then edited the song around her. And that's funny to him, because it's like, oh, isn't it funny that I got my daughter to be on this, like, really, you know, crass song? But it's just like, it's not that funny, <laughs> you know? I absolutely love his last verse. His last verse is fucking masterful, especially when he ends it where he says uh, he, he's been talking all this shit and saying all these horrible things. And then he goes like, he goes like, um, and that's pretty much the gist of it. Parents are pissed, but the kids love it. Nine millimeter heat is stashed in two seaters with meat cleavers. I don't blame you. I wouldn't let Haley listen to me neither. It's just like a sort of like, yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> that is a really good line. I like that. I, I love that. Especially since that's like at the tail end of the album. Just like, no, no, I mean, I get it. But, you know, I'm not going to stop. It's really good bookends with uh, with White America. All these kids are listening, but I probably wouldn't let my own kid listen. Actually, now that I think about it. That is funny when you say that. Because the first song is about, look how I'm manipulating all of your kids. Look how I've got them in my hooks. And then at the end, it's just like, you know, now that I think about it, though. <laughs> I'm manipulating all your kids, but not mine, though. Yeah, I mean, that's fucked up. I, I mean, come on, you know, be a fucking parent to your child. Don't have him around that shit. The lesson for this album is always listen to your uh, kids' favorite albums before they do. <laughs> you know? Wheel of morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson <laughs> that we should learn. Uh, if we were to give our, our ratings, i give it a, a four out of five. I came out with a three myself. Like, uh, honestly, it's kind of shocking to me because... Dude, this used to be, like, I used to think of this as, like, the best album. I'm remembering all the great moments, and yeah. those great moments are absolutely incredible. Agreed, yeah. But, man, did I forget <laughs> some of the blemishes. Favorites overall, Without Me and Till I Collapse, 
which then goes to drips, uh, cleaning out my closet, white America, business, I forgot about business, but then you got songs like Haley's Song, yeah. When the Music Stops, Say What You Say, Daddy's Gone Crazy. Those songs have such low ratings that, unfortunately, it hurts the overall average. It really does, man. I was looking at it. I was like, wow. Superman followed by fucking uh, Haley's song. Haley's song. That's a one-two punch, dude. Exactly. Like, the songs aren't great. Fuck that. And they're just awkwardly placed. Like, you really want to sing about how much you love your daughter after telling me that all females lie? But that about wraps it up for this week's show, folks. Thank you very much for checking us out, and thank you very much for the folks who requested the albums to be reviewed. Uh, if you have an album that you would like us to uh, review on the show, hit up one of our Patreons, patreon.com slash rapcritic or patreon.com slash muse for details. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, all of our old episodes are on <clears throat> SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify! Woo! Finally, Spotify! So you could do some catch-up if this is your first time checking us out. You could hear all 193 previous songs on any of those streaming services. And you could, tell, you could follow us on Twitter. We got all that shit going on. We got all the links. Uh, Darren's got those, the station head. I've got the Twitch. The podcast never ends is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the podcast continues. But until next week, for the Going Off Podcast, I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic, and when we speak, it's tongue-in-cheek. We yank our fucking teeth before we ever bite our tongues. We slice our gums, get struck by fucking lightning twice at once, and die and come back as Vanilla Ice's son, and walk around the rest of our lives spin on and kicked and hit with shit every time we sung like R. Kelly as soon as Bump and Grind comes on. Sorry, I just had to include that little... <laughs> because fuck R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs>